welcome to Making It Happen, a career in the performing arts, where we discuss how to break into the performing arts industry for yourself or your child, teen, or young adult. Guests include artists, creatives, casting directors, musical directors, choreographers, agents and managers, as well as parents of young professional actors, singers, dancers, all who are passionate and share my vision of helping talented individuals land professional representation and have successful careers in the arts. My name is Lisa Solak, and I am the CEO and founder of Making It Happen, a career in the performing arts, having helped hundreds of clients break into the business on stage, in film, television, commercial work, and more. This podcast is supplemental to my groundbreaking online courses, Professional Kids and Teens 101, a primer for parents, and Professional Biz 201 for young adults, college students, and graduates. For more information, check out all the ways that you can benefit from my courses, programs, my free weekly newsletter, and free guides. Go to lbctalent.com. My guests today are Tim and Kellyanne Kiefer. <laughs> Hi, guys. How are you? Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. I'm so thrilled that you guys are on the program today. Very excited to talk to you. I can say that you have a very, very talented son who is very involved in the performing arts. And you guys have been through a very unusual journey that I think is going to be really helpful to the listeners to hear about. Let's just start with, let's start at the beginning. I mean, how and when did you realize that Tayton wanted to do this and wanted to, you know, be a performer, I guess, like give us the, give us the starting gate. You know? I'll be honest, the, the very first thing that he could do, like stay after school was like a little theater program they were doing at the elementary school. Like he was in kindergarten and like, that was it. It was like the only thing, you know, you couldn't play sports at that age at your school. You couldn't do clubs. So we're like, all right, well, we'll just throw him into that. Cause he can stay after school. And, you know, we thought that was pretty cool. And that was really it. It wasn't that he expressed an interest in it or, you know, like said, I want to mm -hmm. sing and dance. He wasn't a kid who was singing and dancing around the house as a, as a little kid. We just were like, Oh, he can stay after. Let's do that. And um, then he loved it. He loved it. So then we just kept going forward. I mean, anytime he could do that, we did that for a couple of years and then, you know, tried to look for other avenues for him to learn more about it. But it really was just because it was the first opportunity he had to do something outside of his school day. <laughs> no, he enjoyed it from the get go. I mean, yeah. he got tiny, tiny roles, some of which weren't even, I don't even know if he had lines, but <laughs> he had to do stuff. And then he might get a line or two here and there. And the yeah. far the advanced in, you know, first grade, second grade, he would, get a few more, maybe bigger roles and he just yeah. he enjoyed it. So we mm -hmm. encouraged. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so then when did you seek formal training or did you seek formal training at a certain time in the, in his, you know, I guess, childhood years? Yeah. Third grade, I think um, the end of third grade, maybe the beginning of fourth um, after he had done like the show each year at school for a couple of years. Um, and we got a lot of positive reinforcement from people you know, oh, he's so bright on stage and he's so funny and he, you know, he's supposed to be standing over here, but my eyes were on him and that kind of stuff. And he <laughs> ate it up. He loved it. So we're like, all right, this, you know, this kid is very personable. He was very um, small for his age. So I think that caught people's attention that he was so, you know, talking like an older kid, but he was really tiny. Yeah. Um, so we're like, okay, well, let's just try to figure out what this is all about. And we kind of just looked in our local community and luckily found you and um signed him up for a formal you know acting and singing class i think we started with yeah third fourth grade yeah mm -hmm. you know and he still does his sports for a little bit but again just the difference in his personality yeah when he was you know doing the training classes and and doing the shows versus when he was on the baseball field you know mm -hmm. it just was mm -hmm. obvious to us even if it may not have been obvious to him right mm -hmm. got it got it okay so he's in the professional world now and he is how old is he now just turned 14 okay so he's been in the professional space um how long at this point what when did that all start i think 11 i think it's been three years yeah yeah 11 <laughs> okay our okay. memories are terrible <laughs> yeah i think it's three years it's a little over three years okay all right so yeah so let's talk about that journey because there's a lot of listeners that are parents that are sitting there possibly listening to your story already and saying, wait a minute, that's my child. You know, I'm dealing with the same thing. I see them kind of blossoming in a theater type program or on stages or when they're talking to people. And I know, I know Tayton very well, and he's also very good around adults. 
And I think that's mm -hmm. another important point that we need to make is that, you know, the, the children or, or young teens that get involved in professional performance space really need to be comfortable around adults and be able to handle themselves well in, in those settings and not feel, um, you know, their confidence has to be there when they're speaking with adults. And Tayton certainly is one of those types of kids. So let's talk about the beginning of that process of him getting involved with a, a manager or an agent. And um, you mentioned that he had to do a showcase. So what exactly did he have to prepare for that? What was that process prior to? And then in the moment, what happened in that showcase for anyone who wouldn't know what that is? Yeah. So we didn't know what it was either. <laughs> you know, it came, it kind of came to us. And um, he actually did um, a lot of preparation there. We had worked with, um, you know, yourself and, and the people that are in your studio um, for extra training. He did private, you know, acting lessons and he did private vocal lessons to hone in on, um, through your advice, a song um, of choice, of your choice, really. <laughs> that was good for him because we don't know anything. <laughs> and um, uh, what is it called? The monologue mm -hmm. um, that he would, you know, present at the showcase um, with your guys' help. So he did, it was probably, I'd say we worked on that stuff for six weeks at least, um, you know, seeing you guys once a week and then and preparing it at home. Um, and then the showcase was online because it had been the magical pandemic time. Um, so I know he went on a screen uh, in our basement with, I don't know how many other, you know, uh, potential clients and things were there, but there was a lot of kids on the screen. And I guess each one got their turn. We weren't on it with him. No. That was our understanding that he explained to us that everybody was there together. And then everybody kind of took their turn um, doing their song and doing their monologue. And then from there, I think we got a call pretty quickly that, um, you know, the management agency had wanted to see him by himself. Um, and so I think we did that pretty soon after and soon. repeated the same, you know, song and, and uh, monologue again. And then. I think it was within like two hours after that, that mm -hmm. you called us first <laughs> and said, okay, like he's good to go. You better buckle up because <laughs> things are going to happen very fast. And that uh, was not a lie. No, <laughs> not was, an understatement. That was not an understatement. <laughs> not an understatement <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So officially he was signed with a manager on the mm -hmm. East coast who has bi-coastal opportunities for kids and teens and young adults, and that can be life-changing, as you're saying. Yeah. So mm -hmm. can you talk about how th those changes transpired, what happened, the process of getting the information from a manager and, and all of that? Like, just take us through the process. Um, I think it was pretty simple to start, but I do remember, like, right away, like, it was immediate, you know, it was simple, but fast. So they sent us over some paperwork and, mm. you know, we had uh, consulted with, you know, those kinds of things with you is our only, you know, previous person of, you yeah. know, information. And, um, sure. you know, you helped us with that, which we will always appreciate. Um, just sign a couple papers and they were just like, all right, just keep checking your email because stuff will come. And I think our first audition came through within like a day. And I believe I talked to you because you were like, listen, the audition is for, a movie and it's going to film in like i don't know switzerland or something i think it was italy it was somewhere something in europe wildly yeah. in spain and we have not even been like out of the tri-state area so we were like no we're not going to switzerland that's ridiculous and you're like no really that could really happen of course we didn't have to go to switzerland but you know it's that quick that you have to kind of adjust your life and be like okay maybe we're going to switzerland like maybe that's gonna happen mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's a big adjustment you know as working adults you kind of and with you know more than one child you kind of have to figure out, okay, well, who's going to Switzerland if this happens, you know? But And I volunteered to do all this. <laughs> I'm happy to go. <laughs> what was the first audition that he actually was able to do? Because you had mentioned this was during the pandemic, that all this started to happen for him. So what was that like? Everything was online for all, at least the first year. Oh, yeah. It was all on camera. Very mm -hmm. few voiceovers at first. So a lot of it was all on camera yeah. um this is not my forte so you know i was kind of relying on you and and, and sometimes the, the management just to what do i have to get you know do i i had no idea so we found a little spot in the basement where we would film had a little ring light any auditions that he had if there were big ones we would typically get some coaching 
typically yeah. from you. If there were singing lessons, Diana. Some of the auditions were big. Some of them were, you know, we could do in a matter of few minutes. I mean, they were they were short. It really depended. But it was uh, almost all of them at first were home in, in home. We would yeah. record them, send them in, and kind of go from there. And Tim, what was the um like as far as the skill set that Tayton needed to be able to be successful in producing those self tapes for the auditions? Like what? What did he like? Did, was it were there any difficulties there that you had to kind of overcome, or did he have all of the skill set he needed at that point? Can you explain that to um, people? Because I think they're sitting he, there thinking, "Can my kid do this? Do you know what he, I mean? Like what? It, what is it that he had to do?" Knowing, seeing him now, I mean, he's learned a lot more. I mean, it's three years so old, but I would say from the beginning he was relatively comfortable anyway um in ter terms of just delivering lines he, he doesn't whether it's in person on camera he doesn't get nervous and that's obviously something you, know, you can't teach that mm -hmm. but he does he, he's able to memorize lines pretty quickly um but it is something that especially a bigger thing he had to work on i mean he he had to review he had to almost like studying for a test uh, so it was that that was definitely a skill he's gotten pretty good at, um, but it was a, a challenge at first just because he had to memorize these lines and there's no, you know, there's no cheat sheet. He, he had to know them kind of inside and out and he had to look natural doing it. So it took a little bit of practice and I, it'd be interesting to go back and take a look at some of those earlier auditions, <laughs> comparing yeah. them to now, because I'm sure they were very raw. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's how everybody starts, right? Everybody, ha you have to kind of give yourself, you know, I always tell people you need six or eight auditions under your belt before you can really start to feel comfortable with it because it's a it's a new frontier, you know, especially when you're dealing yeah. with kids. And if they can have fun with it and if you can make it fun for them and they enjoy it, it's certainly less stressful for everybody. And you guys are both educators. So how did you guys balance the schoolwork? And, you know, how did this, this is now a new added entity to his world and being a child. And obviously it was during the pandemic. So you weren't dealing with, you know, a lot of the in-school stuff, but you had the school schooling online. So how did you balance that? And how do you balance that now when he has auditions and schoolwork? I think you have to be organized. I mean, yeah. we don't want to give the impression that this was like easy. Like we're like, oh, it's so breezy. He loved it and we just did it. And it, you know, it was hard. Um, it was stressful, I think, at first. And, you know, things would come in quickly. And I don't think we were prepared for that. You know, it's like nine o'clock at night, you're getting an email and it's like, hey, this audition is due at 5 p.m. tomorrow. And you're like, well, what the heck are we supposed to do with that? We we're not gonna get home from school till four, and then how's he gonna learn it? And all, you know, it was a lot of like we were like ripping out the ring light and ripping out the mm -hmm. backdrop, and then I think it was like after two months, we're like, all right, listen, we have got to figure this out. This is too chaotic. How do we make this easier on everybody? You know, because Tate was little at that point. So he still thought it was kind of cool and fun. But, you know, puberty was looming and mm -hmm. it was going to get very uncool and unfun very quickly, which right. it did. But then it was like, okay, we found a spot in the basement that was untouchable and the screening stays up. And then we have the ring light and it's up and it's plugged in. So like if something comes in quickly, we can very easily run down and just film it fast. And I think too, it's the biggest part about just being able to do it fast is that we're not people and Tate isn't either, which is, is insanely important that are like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Like he has to get there. Right. Like he, and he's not sitting at home thinking, oh, this is such a great, you know, commercial. And I really want to get it. And oh my gosh, I'm going to send it in. And, and mom and dad, did, did they call back? Did they say anything? Right. We just do it. Like, we don't think about it. We just get it done, send it in. And if they, if we get a call back, that's a bonus to us. It's just to us part of like our, our weekly routine of like, okay, this, this came in and let's just pop downstairs and film it quick. Um, we got very savvy with um, when they were really fast, bigger stuff, you can learn lines in time, but when it's really quickly, it's like a couple lines, Tim started to be like, well, this is dumb. He can't memorize this in five minutes. Like, let's just type it out. So we would type it out and hang it in the ring light. And, you know, his IQ is like right in sight. And yeah. they're just little things that as you go, you just are like, again, as working parents with more than one kid, like we just have to make this part of our routine and not worry about it. If if we worried about it or was like desperate for him to yeah. book something or he was desperate to book something, forget it. You're never going to survive. It, it would be 
way too stressful. We always say like the easy bake oven, we set it and forget it, do it and mm -hmm. move on. We don't even think about it. And then when we do get something called back, we're like, wait, what was that for? We have to go back through our email and be like, oh, that one. Yeah. Okay, good, good. But, but there's definitely a learning curve, yeah. not just for him, but for us. I mean, I remember the first, probably one of the first self tapes we did. I, you know, recorded it. I sent it in. I didn't, I didn't include a slate. That was my fault. I didn't even, I didn't even name it. I just sent in the file and thinking, knowing what I know now, I was like, what, what, what the heck was I doing? But yeah. there's definitely a learning curve. Um, but I think the fact that we, like Kelly said, the expectations, I mean, yeah, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts with actors and, and realize you realize the odds aren't with you in terms of getting the jobs. You're not going to get every single job. If those are your, I mean, you want to certainly have high expectations, but I think what's really helped us is, you know, we don't put the pressure on him. He doesn't have the pressure. You know, we put it in, we do the best. He does his best and see what happens. Right. Uh, because if, I think if you go into it, putting that pressure, you, you got to get this job. You have to get that job. You're going to drive yourself crazy. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be yeah. torture, really. It's going to be terrible. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not good to put pressure on kids period I think right. <laughs> yeah I think you have to love the process right they always talk about that in the industry you have to love the process of doing it so if he loves playing characters if he loves you know learning about the relationships of one character to the next if it's a script for you know something that's a little bit more meaty they have to enjoy that process they have to enjoy thinking okay what happened before this scene what happened after the scene what is going on here why did the character change his relationship with his father by the end of the scene like all all of those details you have to like that so if you have i think if you have a kid that likes stories that likes to read that likes to pretend to be these people and these characters they love the process and so it becomes other than when there's a time constraint that's always doesn't matter what you're doing if there's a time constraint right it puts that added pressure but i think if if they just know that they're going to be doing way more auditioning and to love that process and to love being in those moments then that's going to keep it a healthy situation and they're going to survive long term in that world you know so um let's let's jump to the first booking so what was the first booking what was that process because not everyone understands how it goes from talk to us about from the audition through what happened afterwards and then the actual booking and what you had to do and um, how it was to be on set with your child filming or mm. performing. Uh, well, that was Google, right? Yeah. Yeah. The first uh, first one that he booked was uh, Google Fiber. Um, and we did it right down here in the basement. He was at, at the table. He had to act like he was, I think, eating something. And then the other one was a spelling bee. We sent it in. Um, and I did, you know, I thought he did a good job, but, you know, you never know. And we got a call that, you know, he had a call back and he had to meet with, I believe, the director. Yeah. And he met with the director for, I don't know, 30 minutes. Maybe mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't that long, but he met with him and uh, thought the meeting went well because uh, he it was just Tate and the director. We weren't down there. Yeah. And then Edge called us and said, you know, they he booked it. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, we called in to go to Brooklyn for the dress fitting for two days. Mm -hmm. And then from there, upstate New York to, uh, I forget the name of the house, but it's a house where a lot of things have been filmed. And yeah. it was it was a full day. I mean, it was, it was a lot of breaks, but it was a full day of shooting, which was interesting because I think we were there, we were there early, probably 8.30, 9 o'clock until probably 10 that night. And the entire commercial was about, it's two commercials, but probably a minute, probably 60 seconds tops. Yeah. But I mean, for me, someone that this is not, I knew nothing about this. I had a blast just being there and staying out of the way, which is important. Um, Tate, but, and you brought up before how he interacted with adults. He was, he was kind of in his element. Um, he enjoyed being with the other actors because he was the only kid. Everybody else was an adult, you know, he really loved the director. Um, it was, it was a blast. It really is. It's one of those lifetime, lifelong memories that both of us will have. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I so was jealous. Were, <laughs> you were. Mm -hmm. I went to work, <laughs> yeah. but I heard all about it. It looked great. 
<laughs> but I think the big thing is, I mean, I I, I did stay out of the way because I, I, I think we've had discussions before about, you know, you don't, this isn't my wheelhouse and I wouldn't want someone coming into my office telling me how to do things. And I just kind of sat back, took it all in. The director did ask, do you want to watch this? I said, sure. Um, but I, I definitely. Then they give you like a dad, like a parent room. Yeah. They gave me my own room. I hung out. And yeah. They're like, nice. you stay here. But I, I stayed out of the way, which I think was. Important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and how did. He tell you that he loved it, but he will tell you about the food truck. Oh, love craft yeah. services. Yeah. Was all that was it. That's all we like. Hey, how was the filming? How are the people? He's like, you do not even understand that there was a food truck there mm -hmm. and you could just go up to it and get whatever you wanted the whole day. <laughs> that's what the first thing he'll tell you about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a, that's so cool. So then um, when did that air and or where did it air? Did he see it? Like, did he have a moment when he actually saw his work or was it something that he just was on to the next audition. Like, was he interested in seeing what it, what the final product was? He, it didn't come out for a while and it was like, um, like a YouTube internet type of commercial. I don't, I didn't, I don't believe it aired on TV. I mean, I think it could have, no, but it, it did air on TV. We didn't see it, but yeah. I know a friend of ours did see it because they were watching TV one night and it popped on, but yeah. we found it on Online. YouTube. Um, it was probably on one of the Google sites as well, but we, yeah. we were pretty excited when we, able yeah. to find it on youtube and yeah just just to see it it was it was cool yeah by the time he came out and we found it we like had to show him you know again he's just like that kid who like had an experience and had fun and didn't think about the finished product like when we showed him he was like oh yeah and didn't even kind of remember like he wasn't chasing after us like did you check did you check did you check do you right. know if it's on kind of thing which we love about the whole process i think if he was a little more intense about it i don't know that we would we would do so well with that because right. you know we're not worried about it and he's not worried about it and it's the perfect mix and i know that's not typical because people i think who love this industry or as we're finding out are like very into it and like just like obsessed with the whole thing and i don't i don't really think that that's us at this point and he's done well and yeah. and that's fun we're having fun mm -hmm. what comes yeah. of it comes of it yeah it's almost it's, it's cool to see him on tv yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, well, you know, it's crazy because, you know, as you know, I've had my kids involved in the industry when they were young and it wasn't something we were looking for. It just happened to fall in our lap and we said yes to it. And it, I think you have to have that kind of attitude. We have talked about that many yes. times um, that the people who are kind of hanging on every job are going to have too much stress. And it's mm -hmm. going to rub off on the kids and it's not going to be a healthy situation, which is what a lot of people think about, because unfortunately, what sells is the negativism that is out there regarding children in the industry. And I feel strongly that people like yourselves and certainly the way I raise my kids in that process was a much healthier situation because we didn't care so much in that space like you wanted to you want them to do well you want them to do the run through the process of the audition and do their best work but the end result is not really the end goal in yeah. our minds right and if they do get there it's kind of icing on the cake it's the gravy it's you know this is great you know and then there's the money that they're making you know there's the there's that the money that comes through because there are costs associated you had to get to brooklyn for the wardrobe fitting you had to go to the shoot. You had to do those things. And those usually aren't covered, right? But right, yeah. at the end of the day, there is a there is a plus side on the financial end, you know? And I think that's something that people have to understand that, that there is that that makes it easier, really, for more mm -hmm, people yeah. to get involved because people think, oh my gosh, because you have to pay, you know, you, kids need training. They need yep. to be trained because all there's going to be other candidates that the casting offices are looking at that, you know, are training all the time and that are in that, you know, in that mode or even like all the auditions he did because he had so many of them. I'm sure he was learning from each one of those, which, Tim, you mentioned earlier, you know, there's that learning curve, not only for you as a parent, but for him, you know, and you, and you, as you said, things are better now, now, right. He's, he's a little more oh, proactive or he has a better sense. Like talk about that. He's more seasoned. Yeah. He's more seasoned. I mean, he, he's just, I don't want to say more comfortable. He's always been comfortable, but 
he's better with his, you know, sight lines and, you know, the things that honestly learned with you and just doing more training. I mean, it's not, it's not something that we could teach him because that's not, that's not our element. Um, But it's nice to have the training coaching because there's not a lot of feedback in terms of when we send in an audition there's well yeah there's not (laughs) um we we don't know was it was it good was it bad whatever it was it's we send it in and kind of go from there so you know it's he's definitely learned more he's a little more seasoned but it's all due to I think the experience and getting a lot of auditions but also the coaching that he's had I mean he's Mm -hmm. that's a necessity Mm-hmm. I think you have to kind of equate it to what the majority of, you know, American kids are doing. It's like they're playing sports, they're finding what they have fun at, and they're finding what they love. And if they really like it, they go get extra coaching, or they take private yeah. lessons. And, you know, people are like, yeah, on Saturdays, I have soccer. And then on Sunday, we have baseball. And and to for us, that's kind of our thing. Like on Saturdays, we go to the studio, and that's, and that's his training, and that's his sport for the day. And, you know, and then we have these auditions through the week, and that's his practice. And, you know, again, the end results are bonuses, but we just don't focus on it we're, we're more about being organized to get it done you know we don't want to disappoint you know the management people and we don't want to like you know ruffle feathers and we're just like okay they asked for this on this time and we're going to do it and you right. know kind of just we're just like kind of very chill about it and well, we are organized with because we could get I and mean, there's times we might go a week we don't get anything and then we get three auditions okay, in yeah. a day and one might be a 24-hour turnaround and so we we do have to be organized with with everything because otherwise, again, that pressure builds up. Yeah. We don't want to put the pressure on him, um, but we also don't want to have it on ourselves. So we, you do have to be organized. That that's a key aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And you also what you were saying too, Kellyanne, the um, communication. You know what I mean as well. Yeah, so that everybody's kind of on board because it can start to tumble and fall, mm-hmm. and then especially with working parents you know it's it's a little bit of a juggle it's just but it's i agree with you kelly and that it is not any different from your child being in a football program being in a dance program being in a soccer program or playing softball like it's not it's no different and to a certain degree you do have control over some of the timing because sometimes games come up at the last minute and it's the same that's the same as getting an audition at the last minute from your manager or your agent Mm -hmm. so it kind of equates that way um let's jump a little bit toward um another aspect of what Tayton does which I think that a lot of parents are not aware of they're not even aware that the work exists let alone how to function within the auditions for this work he does a lot of voiceover and mm. I think your setup I remember you telling me that your setup got very you know you got very organized in regard to voiceover work and so let's talk about that a little bit um, maybe talk about what it is what your setup is at home how the auditions come in and how you function within the voiceover world for Tayton. I mean, it, it's very similar to the self tapes in terms of you still have to be organized. Um, we get a lot of voice work, voice, voiceover auditions, yeah. um, but we have a little setup. It's in a small room. Closet. Yeah, it's really, <laughs> it is a closet, um, but we have a pretty professional speaker, you know, a microphone, it's I just got a new one actually um (laughs) but in terms of obviously you don't have to memorize those lines but you still have to look at the script you have to kind of get a sense of how's he supposed to read these lines and there's I I guess there's a little bit more wiggle room in terms of how to deliver them but again a learning curve I I can tell you I was thinking about this earlier the first voiceover we ever did Mm -hmm. and I'm almost embarrassed to admit this but (laughs) I had him do the lines. I read the other lines. I thought that's what you're supposed to do, which is a big no-no. You don't do that. Um, well, that who do we know? That was the only one that we did it that way. But you know, that was again, that was the very first one. But I realize that now. But you, you still have to. It's. I don't want to say it's easier. It's really not. It's just. I mean, it's nice in terms of you can. We can kind of go at our own pace. We can. There's. You know. There's no nothing on tape that we have to worry about. So I, I, it's it's still very similar to the self-tapes. You still have to be organized. You still have to look at the lines and know what you're trying to deliver. I mean, we I enjoy them. I kind of enjoy when we get a voiceover. Yeah. But we do have pretty good microphone because we it, 
we were told, you know, because originally we had this, it was a USB mic and it, it didn't sound very good. I thought it did at the time, but what we have now is, mm-hmm. is much better. And it's really not that much. We didn't spend a whole lot of money. You can really get some good yeah. stuff without spending a ton of money. You just have to do some research. Mm-hmm. When as a guy's guy, I will throw you under the bus and say that we're on our third microphone setup because yeah. he gets every year he gets more knowledge. Yeah. He's like, you know what I really think we need? I think we need this. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Amazon does wonders. Yeah. But you know, they do have a space that's set up and and for all the, you know, not to say that dads aren't doing this because Tim does do all the auditions, bless his heart. <laughs> um, but like moms out there, I will tell you the reason voiceovers are easier okay in your world of like working parents of multiple kids is that you don't have to like fix their hair have them brush their teeth put on your audition mm-hmm. shirt you know again teeth started at 11 and then we were in the thick of the pandemic at that point and everything was you know self-tape and to try to get him motivated like when puberty hit was it wasn't easy you know i'm not going to sit here and lie and say he's always like yes an audition let's do it he is not like that he is a typical teenage boy who is moody as all get out and you know like that's why he's pretty i guess good at this he's rather dramatic but it's not always easy so like when we get a voiceover i'm like oh thank god it's a voiceover because he can just run downstairs in his pjs into the little room we set up you know, look at it for a few minutes and get it done. There's no fixing of the hair. There's no making sure you don't have junk in your teeth. It's, right. you know, it's all those little things that, again, organization is just the key. But, you know, for for, for moms, it's like, okay, I don't have to be like, dude, it's just an audition. Get your stuff together. Let me fix your hair. It's, it's a process yeah. for anybody who has a teen boy. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't sure. care about his hair. I will tell you, he don't care, but it, it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, with the yeah. voiceovers, you have that luxury. You don't have to yeah. worry. I and mean, that is that is a little bit less pressure, less stress. Yeah. So that's the funniest thing I think about the voice. The first voiceover he got, I think, was a Heinz commercial. Or yeah, and Heinz. then he right away he got like a, a cartoon. He was a character on an episode of Super Wings, the cartoon. Mm-hmm. I, it was a rare opportunity that you had to speak to the person after they filmed it, which we filmed it right in your house. You don't go anywhere. Um and I think we, I don't know if we asked like, when does it come out? Or like, is it soon? And the guy was like, oh my God, it's like, you know, a season and a half from now or something very crazy. Mm-hmm. Like we were like, oh, all right, whatever. So again, we kind of forgot about it. And I don't think we went looking for that until like a year and a half later. And somebody had said like, didn't you mention he was on Super Wings? And I was like, oh my God, we never went and found that. So I went on Amazon and found it and puberty had hit and you can't even tell it's him. No. You cannot even tell that it's Tate because he is, he recorded that at like 11 and His I think voice. we didn't find it till it was oh, on. Unre- I'm like, is that really him? Yeah, that can't be that. him. I mean, it was like, I questioned it. Like, did they use somebody else? Did they cut him out? And I'm like, I know he got paid. So I know he did it. And then you could hear, remember the lines that I hear through his bedroom door, but it was so weird. Mm-hmm. It was so weird. Mm-hmm. You would never know it was him. No. Like you would never know. So he's done. So as far as voiceover work, he's done. This was a series, like a like an animated series. Yep, yep. Super Wings was a cartoon series, and I guess every um, besides the regular characters, they have like a guest character each episode. You know, like somebody that comes on in the show. So he was that person for an episode. Um, he did a Heinz commercial with like a backyard barbecue thing, mm-hmm. like "Mom, where's the ketchup?" type of thing. Okay, okay. Um, I think it was just for the radio. Yeah, yeah. I've never even heard. Of it. No, we've never, yeah. we never, don't even know where to find yeah. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then more recently, he did um, a PSA. He was the voice uh, for the Teen Run National Teen Runaway Hotline. Mm-hmm. So he just oh. did that. Re- nice. Yeah, yeah. And he the nice thing about movie. those is we we do them in at home. Every voiceover he's ever booked, they've actually recorded here. Um, we've never actually had to go anywhere. So that's been easy. Been a lot easier, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really great for parents to to understand too, especially for parents that live in other areas outside of like the tri-state area or the Atlanta area or the LA area, or even like Vancouver. Like there's lots going on in those areas for kids, but anybody across this country could have their child get involved in this part of the acting world mm-hmm. yeah. because they yep. can do it from their home. You know, that's yep. incredible. It's really, it really makes it easy and fun for everybody, you know? Yeah, very true. Definitely. 
Let's talk a little bit about live theater. Has he had any auditions for live theater? And if so, how did that work? What was that process? How was it different um, or the same as what you've done? I know the world of auditioning has shifted to self-tapes. Everybody's been talking about it for over a year. It's not going to change, which makes it great also for people who live far away from any audition. Um, but ultimately, did he did he end up doing any kind of live work? And how, how was that experience from start to finish? Well, I mean, the first was the Trevor project, the first one that he did. He had yes. a, yes. which he worked with you, it was the, tre it was, I forget the name, it was Trevor. Oh, Trevor the, the Musical, he auditioned. Yeah, he Trevor the Musical. Yeah, he auditioned for a, Trevor. Yeah, it was a huge audition in terms of the amount of lines he had to learn because he had to learn Trevor he had to learn two other parts I think he worked with you for, for quite a few weeks we worked on it yeah, um, on a dance routine like a full tap routine for it yeah, it was it was it was huge it was a lot and we went to the city went to the theater and he he had his audition uh didn't get the part but th that was the biggest audition in terms of just pure lines preparation. preparation. It was it was a lot. I wouldn't say most of them are that at intense. that level, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he had another one. It was for Winnie the Pooh, I think. Yeah. Um, where he had the, it was not nearly as much preparation work, but we had to go into the theater for that. That's so I think it's only been two live theater auditions. He's had theater auditions, but they were self tapes. But yeah. he's had two that we actually had to go into the city to do the audition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what like a about... vacation for him. It's fun. Yeah. You know, he gets to go and have pizza with dad and he's walking around New York. And mm -hmm. we always, we've told you before, we made the joke that he auditioned on a Broadway stage before he ever sat in the audience. Like mm -hmm. he had never yeah. been to New York before. And it was like, all right, well, I guess we're doing this now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but again, mm -hmm. they take him. Like, I think the biggest thing to know is like your kid is the product, you know, and I hate to say that word. But like, they don't care about you. They don't want, you know, you can't, you have to, that's why Tim goes, because you have to trust that these people are not going to like steal your child because you're like, oh, go through this like shady door on the side of New York City Street. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And they'll bring it back to you. All right. <laughs> you know, and you don't know what's going on in there. You don't watch, you don't mm -hmm. think, and then they just shoo them back out and that's it, you know? Right. But he mm -hmm. does, you know, and again, typical teen boy, you don't get much out of tape, but he's like, yeah, I did this and I, they asked me to do that and it was fun and Tigger walk by or something, yeah. you know, like, mm -hmm. so it's just fun. It's, it's fun. I, you know, we don't care that he didn't get them. I know he doesn't care that he didn't get them. Um, I think he cares. It's just, it's, fun. he doesn't throw all of his marbles into that one. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't dwell on it. He doesn't dwell on that one. I think he loves the process. I mean, knowing your son, I think he just loves meeting new people, getting to talk to adults, getting to share with other people who love what he loves you know, and like getting to learn from those moments and show people what he can do. Like go into those spaces and be like, hey, I get to be this character. I get to, you know, pretend and show you what I can do in that moment, you know? And there certainly is so much to learn in that process for kids, you know, not just right. to learn in regard to the training for a career in the arts, but also to learn for life itself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just yeah. anything that he ends up going into, right? Um, so he did do a live theater holiday show, I believe. Yeah. So can you yep. talk about that audition process, how that went, talk about the details of, you know, how you handled all of that because he had rehearsals out of town. There was all of that. So let's talk about that because I think that's really something that everyone would want to know because there are a lot of children out there doing their community theater programs, their school programs, and their, you know, the joy and the, and the want to be on bigger stages is there. Mm -hmm. And is sometimes the reason parents take that leap of faith to get their children signed and working because the kids want to be on those bigger stages. So let's talk about that project, what it was, how the audition process went and what transpired following that. So that project was the Polar Express mm -hmm. um, holiday series, and it was in uh, Whippany. And it was a live theater on an actual train. Um, so the train itself was the stage. And the audition, again, was a self-tape that we did in the basement. And we got a call back. I think we taped it in, you know, in the summer. And, of course, being a holiday show, you're preparing for that in September. Right. So right when school started, we had gotten a call back. And they said, you know, if, you know, that they wanted him to be one of the kids in the show. And, um, you know, if you were going to accept, then you had to do like this parent training, I believe. I think Tim went into the city one day for like mm -hmm. a whole day workshop about 
you know, what it was going to be about and what the schedule was going to be and how things were going to work. Because at that point, I think you could still say no. Um, I think that's why they did this big full day, like instructional, like this is what it is. It's super intense. And if you're not going to be able to do it, like see you later. And I do think that I remember you telling me that two people like peaced out. They were like, yeah, we're not, we're not doing this. Yeah, it was um, at the time. It was nice because we were, we were there because I, I was there. It was just me for the entire day. And they kind yeah, of kids. let us know what we were getting into, what Kate would be getting himself into. Yeah. Also kind of some, they were very, very pleasant about it, but giving direction of what not to do as the parents <laughs> um, kind of, again, stay out of the way, which yeah, we I didn't really, I mean, I kind of know to do that, but uh, it was obvious that many some other don't. parents didn't know that, Yeah, many uh, but it was nice. It was like a tutorial. They We knew what we were getting into before we fully accepted it. I don't know if that's always the case. That yeah, is, it. That, was, was, that was nice that was they nice. did that because yes. that is not always the case. Right. Yeah. I do remember feeling like it was very unusual, but then once we saw what the product was, we were like, wow, they had to done that because there was a lot of, um, you know, kids have certain hours they're allowed to work and mm -hmm. a certain amount of time they can be on stage. And this show was a huge holiday show and to make money, they run it like four or five times a day, you know, a gazillion times on the weekend. And you certainly couldn't have one child do that role the whole time. So it kind of made sense at the end of it. But then I think in October, you and Tate went to the city for like a week clip or something. I know you stayed there. You, had, you know, we had to pay for the hotel and, mm -hmm. and he had to miss school and we had to get the paper from the producer person to say he was doing that so he could excuse from school and all that stuff. It was basically a rehearsal. Yeah. Because like a big rehearsal they place. wanted to do all the rehearsal there. It was in New York on the theater, on, you know, in, inside their studio. So yeah. when they were done, they could go out and kind of perform the show. There really wasn't a lot of rehearsal yeah. after the fact. So it was a few days of just nonstop. Tate loved it. You know, yeah. and I mean, I was I was kind of on my own. I wasn't even in the yep. in the Again, uh, that theater. Factor. Here's our kid. People we don't uh, know yeah. in New York City. <laughs> go ahead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think after the rehearsal, we, then they send you all the stuff. Like then you're in and you're like, OK, here's the paperwork. Here's the schedule. And the schedule was wild they had um the train car itself was six cars so it's six theaters right that all run simultaneously mm -hmm. so they don't have six casts they have two so you would have like they sent you like you're going to be on this half of the train so if you wanted as parents or family members to see him perform like you had to know which half of the train he was going to be on and at which show and all this stuff so it would tate loved it because you did the same scene three times in a row which again is not typical in live theater, right. but that was like one of the coolest aspects we thought, because, you know, this train car is its own theater and the lights go down and the cast comes in and they do their little, you know, <laughs> show and then they leave the car and then Tate would just literally hop to the next car and repeat it and then hop to the next car and repeat the scene again. And he loved it. Mm -hmm. He absolutely loved it. And the, the schedule was great. He booked the, he had the, the first show and the closing show. So we were pretty excited about that. That was really fun to see. And um, I don't know, did he do like 34 shows or something? He did a lot of shows. I mean, we it went to, it was in Whitman, so we, which is not like down the street, but we would drive there probably three, sometimes four times a week. Yeah. Yeah. Now it was from what? October? No, November, yeah, November. late November until the end until of Christmas. January 1st. Yeah. Yeah. But, so it was, it was definitely intense. You were doing, we were doing nothing else. Right. And that's a lie. We were still doing the auditions that yeah, came in. We're still auditions. But like other than like family activities, no, you're not doing that. No, because he was, <laughs> it was he was busy. very, very busy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, mm -hmm. organize that calendar and just do it. Just execute each day and who's driving and who's taking what. And and that's just kind of what we did, you know? But and it was yeah. a great experience for him. Oh, he loved doing loved it. it. He loved um, it. He got paid to do it, which is yeah awesome. But the only, the only downside was he was looking forward to doing it again the following year, but he got, he grew up a few inches. Yeah. His voice got too deep. So he really couldn't play that hero child anymore. So yeah. it's kind of was a one, one and done thing, but it was mm -hmm. great. Yeah. I think that happens yeah, I, a lot for children and yeah. And preteens, once they grow, then they're not right mm -hmm. for that role anymore. You know, I think it's two inches and 10 pounds on Broadway or something like that. Um, I don't know <laughs> if that's still the case years ago. It was, um, 
but yeah, I think, I think it's so great that you guys, you did sacrifice, you know, it was, I'm sure it was fun for you guys to see him performing, to see, to be there, to drop him off, pick him up, see that he was thrilled and happy. And just like any parent who's putting their child in community theater or putting their child in the school play, there's rehearsals in that same tech week that we go through. It sounds similar to what you would do there. And again, he was doing something professional, building his resume toward, you know, bigger and better things down the road, wh whether in the acting mm. realm or in another field, getting that experience in front of all those people and working with adults, the, the director. I mean, how was the relationship between the director and the cast and that process? Like, was there anything that Tate shared in regard to that, that he, that stood out to him at all? He loved it. He raved about loved it. everybody he worked with. I mean, whether it was the elves, whether it was a guy that played Santa, the director. I mean, he loved just spending time with him. And again, they were really, because I got to just say hello. They were very nice people in general. So that, that does help. So they were great with him, but he he didn't have anything negative. Again, I don't know if that's yeah. always the case, but his experience was Magical. very, very positive. Yeah. Very that's so great. Horrible. That's yeah. so great to hear. So were there multiple children playing the role that he had? Because you mentioned that there were so many shows being mm -hmm. done. So were, how many yeah. children were playing the lead role? I mean, I think there was 12, I think. I mean, it was there a mix is... of girls and boys. I mean, I'm telling like if Tate did 34 shows, that, you know, divided by 12, I mean, there was hundreds of shows. I mean, the train car on the weekend was like, you could go to an 11, you could go to a one, you could go to a three, a four, mm -hmm. a seven, an eight. I mean, wow. it was all day long. And I think the adult cast was like, you know, four sets. I think there was four Santas and four, right. you know, of the people. And like, they, you know, they obviously can work a lot more and they did, but they would like work for the day. So if Tate went like sometimes, I think it was rare that he had two shows in a day, but I do believe he did it twice. Yeah, he did. Because Not typically many. they want just yeah. to do one show. And like, there was like a meeting spot and, you know, there was a child wrangler. We didn't know what that mm -hmm. was. They're like, okay, you, here's your child wrangler. And you're going to, and we're like, what the hell is a child wrangler? What are you talking about? Oh, again, here's this person. We don't know. And we're going to hand our kid to you in a parking lot in Whippany. Mm -hmm. And you're going to take our child away. And hopefully we see them at the end of the show. Um, you know, and we got tickets to a lot of the shows, but it's impossible to go to 34 financially. So, you know, the ones we could go to, we went to, and we went to a handful and, and then Tim would sit in the parking lot and read and yeah, just wait, Pretty much. <laughs> you know, like everyone's coming in and getting their Christmas on and, you know, and uh, Tim said it was fun because I remember you said the first time you went in, you're trying to park and the guy, you were there earlier because they had a call time earlier for the first show. And the guy, I guess, was like, hey, are you, you going to park for the show? And you're kind of early and you're like, oh, well, my son's in it. And he's like, oh, performers park over here. Yeah. And you were like, hey, I got a good spot because <laughs> I had Tate with me. <laughs> yeah, <usually. laughs> You know, like stuff, stuff, like, you know, that's funny. Just, but he loved it. And it was fun because there was two kids at each show, you know, because one kid had three cars and the other kid had the other three cars. So they would meet in the middle for break. And, um, you know, he got to know a lot of the kids and that was really, that was really fun. He still has pictures all over his room. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had said that they desperately wanted him to come back. All the adults were like very kind to seek us out and say how funny he was. And, you know, sometimes they're not supposed to, but some of the adults would break character because once he would go train to train, he'd be like, my family is sitting over here. Yeah. And then they would kind of like walk by and go, oh my God, he's so funny. And oh my God, he tries to trip up my lines. Mm -hmm. And you know, he makes me laugh too much and I screw up the song and all that stuff. So I think as a parent, that's always the feedback we want. I don't, you know, he's adorable to us. Of course, we always say like, is he talented? I don't have any clue, but I'd much rather hear somebody in the profession tell us that he was polite and engaging yeah. and that they loved him and that they had fun with him, you know, that they, that he made their experience, you know, as a little bit magical as, as they made theirs. I mm -hmm. think that's, always the best to hear mm -hmm. that was very sad when it ended that yeah, was it really, was. That was really? yeah i'm yeah. sure because you make all the friends and relationships and everything you know so i could see that it yeah. would be really kind of sad to leave that's kind of typical of all performers right they get with a group of people they do a show for a set amount of time and then it ends and then you have these people that feel like family and you have to walk away mm -hmm. you know and hope mm -hmm. that maybe you work together again at some point you know what i want to mention too that something that you you touched on earlier that there's a limited amount of time that children can work and so let me just mention that that limited time is set by the state in which you work right or in which the child works so the state is going to dictate how many hours they can work as well as the um the union so if the if the job is um under union guidelines whether that's sag aftra 
for film, television, um, commercial work, or whether that's actors equity for live theater, they're going to limit the amount of hours that a child can work based on um, the age of the child. So depending on how old they are, will limit how many hours they can be there. And um, yeah, and they also have to do schoolwork if it's during school, you know, there's that piece of it too, that, that enters into mm -hmm. things that, um, you know, that's, they're there, the rules are there to protect children, to make sure that they're not just, you know, thrown in a field to, uh, you know, to pick berries or whatever. Sure. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Right. And that they're, yeah. and that they're, uh, the adults take all the money and all, you know, all those things we learned. About oh, right. Rules. Right. Do you want to talk about that a minute? Like the, the, the percentages and you want to mention that so that people can understand that. Yeah. A little so um, we, we had to set up a special bank account, which again, you find out kind of through the management people and then mm -hmm. through the help of people like yourself, like what we're supposed to do. And there's a, it's called a Coogan account. And, you know, you have to find a bank that will house it. And it's not very common, I guess, but the, the general, you know, cliff notes version, I think is that all the money that um, is paid to the child actor goes into that account. And I believe there's a small percentage that you can take out, you know, as his parents for whatever. Now we have decided that we're not touching a dime of it. Um, everything 100% goes in there um, and we keep like an Excel spreadsheet of like, okay, here was Google and this is what he got paid. Right. And this is how much went into the account on this day so that when he's 18, um, he can access it. He can't access it now. No one can access it now. But at 18, he would, my understanding is that he would have full access right. to, you know, clean out the account should he want to do that. We never, ever talk money with him. Ever. No, I don't no, even no. know that he realizes he gets paid sometimes. Sometimes. Because we just yeah, never he, bring it up. If he doesn't, he, I don't, even the jobs he's booked, I don't know if he's ever asked how much. Never. It's interesting. Not once. Not yeah. once. I think the first, because the first big job he went to was Google, right? And that was, I'm, we're always saying that we're glad that was first because it was so exciting. You know, he's on a set and there's cameras and he yeah. gets to go to Brooklyn and try and close. And I mean, that was very exciting. I think had he done the Heinz commercial from his bed in his PJs on a you know little microphone setup first, he'd be like, okay, like, whatever. Um, but going to Google was, was clutch because they were, again, so good to him. He was the only kid. So people just fell all over him and he was funny. And what was really cool was that Google gave him... Um, what did he get? The oh, he got a virtual, a reality, virtual set. reality set. Mm. They were giving like they gave him that again, and we were like, because it was one of the props. Are we? Um, yeah, they, there was tons of props. He got to keep sunglasses from his bedroom, you know, set and things like that. But then they're like, you know, you can have this, and and Tim was like, I don't. I remember you texting me like, I don't know if I'm supposed to take this. We don't know the rules. Yeah, I like, know what supposed to do this. So <laughs> I think we called you. And we're like, dude, they want to give him this like really expensive thing. Um, so I think he thought that's what he got. You know, like, and we were like, okay, so he's never asked. We don't talk about it. Um, you know, we have to do his taxes. You have to do your own taxes. We have to do his taxes. Mm -hmm. He has had to pay taxes for three years and we'll put that in the spreadsheet too. And that goes right into the Coogan account. Right. We just throw it all in there. He gets a tax return. I think he got it, you know, 30 bucks from New York or something. Yeah. And we're like, all right, 30 bucks on this day. We put it in the account. Like we don't ever want to mess with that. Um, you know, that's his and we feel pretty strongly about that. And you know, whatever's in there when he's 18 is, is for him to decide what he wants to do with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think, yeah, the rule is that you, ha you have to by law, put 15% of their gross into an account that's locked until they're 18. And so mm -hmm. many of the clients that I work with do as you did, they are, as you are doing, put all of the money in the account. I have had, you know, put all of the money in the account for the child to have when they're 18. But I have had clients who also were in situations where they needed to take some of that other 85% and use it for training or use it for travel to help them because they didn't have the funds to do that. So it does start to kind of snowball into a fund that can help fund what else they need in any given moment as they go through this journey. So there is that option, but it is by law 15%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is so good. This information is great. I'm so glad that you segued <laughs> to Cal to like these different things that are so important to parents. Um, okay. So what is happening now? Like, where are you now? He, you said, you mentioned he's 14 now. So he's definitely in the teenage years. Is he a freshman or what is he? He's a great writer. Yep. He's, he's an eighth grader. grader. Yeah. And, um, he just turned 14. He's almost as tall as me. His first headshot to his more recent one. Again, you cannot recognize him. 
you cannot recognize him. So I think when you start, you have this cute little nugget boy mm -hmm. and now he's a man. Um, he is an actual <laughs> man and I don't like it. So if you would like to have him for a few years, he's all yours. But um, so I think that brings on different things. You know, he can't like the voiceovers, like some of the times they'll come in and they're like, okay, we're looking for a, you know, a sounds close to, you know, 11 year old prepubescent boy. And we're like, you know, emailing the manager back like, hey, you sure you want us to throw this in? We'll do it. But he sounds like Barry White at right. this point. So not sure if you want us to do it, but they're like, yeah, just do it, you know, just throw it in. Mm -hmm. um, but right now he's just finishing up eighth grade. Um, his school doesn't really do uh, theater, so he's doing a lot of training. Um, he's kept up with weekly vocal lessons and acting lessons. Um, and most recently, uh, you know, he had talked about going to a different high school just in general. And uh, of course, he wanted to go to New York City. And we were like, yeah, please, Felicia, that's not happening. <laughs> but he worked with, again, you and, and Miss Diana on training to audition for a performing arts school in Somerset. And he got in and that audition process was probably the only time that we have been stressed, right? I think that was the only time we ever talked about like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. and not because we wanted him to go, but because after we went to an open house, he very much wanted to go. And we were like, crap. Well, yeah, so <laughs> like, we did he, want him, right? Because he was excited about it. So we yeah. really wanted him to, to do well. And it's yeah. obviously we had no control over whether he was selected or not but mm -hmm. we, we really wanted it because i think it's going to be just a a really positive experience for him yeah unfortunately it, it was it was a lot of work i mean it, it definitely yeah. was a lot of work in terms of the like songs, the, <laughs> the audition the monologue which i don't know how many emails we got about the monologue with in, in big caps saying word for word you yeah. can't screw up anything don't screw up a syllable you talk about pressure right there that that's that was pressure i didn't i don't even know if we told him about the word for word but yeah. it, it was it was intense fortunately yeah. it worked out yeah. yeah yeah he got accepted and made it through four rounds of auditions mm -hmm. and um, he'll start there in the fall and I think the the biggest excitement for us is that you know the the school had said like if you think you're coming here for your kids to be on stage 52 days of the year like you know like that's not what we're doing this is an industry school this is to show you all things in the industry like freshmen are going to learn how to do you know build sets on stage and how to run lighting and sound and there's like a class on directing and a class on playwriting um so it's really the entire encompassing industry which i know is the most exciting for Tate because while I think he does love being on camera and you know loves showing off for an audience I think he really does lately have a bigger interest in writing and in like making little movies in the backyard and you know he puts a dinosaur on our tractor and you know mm -hmm. things like that and he loves that part so I think going to a typical high school when you have such big aspirations is obviously doable, but I think this is going to give him more of an opportunity to do what he wants to do. Right. You know, these people here work in the industry, you know, he'll do all this stuff in the morning and then the afternoon he'll have his general education classes. He gets a typical high school diploma, but, you know, he gets to at least network for four years um, with people who can help him, you know, do anything. Coffee getter at a, at a studio at 18, I don't care, but something that's in the industry. Should he go to a typical high school, we talked about like, he'd have to do that all on his own. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why parents may be paused to do this because it is very overwhelming. It is very overwhelming to think about how do you do that? Where do you go? And, mm -hmm. you know, I think like right. anything else in the world, it's like, who do you know? And who can you network with? And who can you talk to? I think that's mm -hmm. a big part of it. So we're very excited. He's very excited about it. That's where we're at now. Nice. That's where we're at right yeah, now. and all these, all like all the the acting classes, and then the auditions. I think all of that led to his now interest in directing and writing. Because I don't think all of that would have. I don't think he'd have those interests had it not been for what came before. The, you know, the acting and everything. So yeah. mm -hmm. it, it opened up his eyes to. There's so many. There's a lot of different jobs in this in this field. It's yeah. not just. We see the actors on TV, but there's so, so many careers. Yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's something that people don't realize that it starts with the kids being excited about being on stage or getting to be a part in a play at school. And then once parents start to think, oh my gosh, my child is interested in this, but this is this a feasible, viable career path that's going to actually bring them 
you know, enough funds to function as an adult human and they get scared and they get nervous and whatever. But as you're saying, Tim, and I'm so glad you brought that up, that there are so many careers within the realm of the performing arts that creative people can be involved in. Like we, I had a client years ago who was an actor and was signed and was working and he ended up, he was very funny and very good at, you know, kind of improvisational acting. And he ended up going into marketing and he's with a huge, huge, you know, corporate network within the performing arts industry as a marketing executive. You know what I mean? So there's so many different ways that that passion can be honed toward a specific career, which I think parents need to realize so that they don't squash that love of performance, you know, in their child early, no, you're going to be a lawyer. No, you're going to be a doctor. No, you're going to be, you know, and and then they're not happy. Right. And I think it's so cool that Tayton is kind of leaning into the storytelling and writing and like, you know, creating films and all of those things. And yes, I totally agree with you because I've seen it happen with my own kids that working with scripts, reading the scripts, memorize them, trying to figure out and visualize in their minds, how do we create that in that moment for the self-tape? And now it's translating to him on the other side of the camera. That's exciting. That's like very yeah. cool. It really is. Yes, we've all been eaten by a T-Rex in the backyard at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. Yeah, I don't know how crazy. he does it, but I love yeah, it. I love it. it. So so now that he's 14, have the auditions slowed at all due to the age or are you still really busy? Like do you sometimes get 3 in a week? Like what's going on now? Yeah, I think we've noticed a pretty a, a good slow for a while and it picks up. Like I think at first when he's really little, it was very fast and furious, very fast and furious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we did notice a little bit of a lull as soon as he changed and grew up a little bit, because that's just the age. And, you know, I think that it's important that you're okay with it. Again, we just don't worry about it. You know, mm-hmm. oh, we didn't get anything this week. We don't even think about it at this point. When they come in, we're like, okay, came in, let's get it done. Um, but yeah, I think it has slowed a little bit, you know. The self-tapes have bit. definitely slowed. The voiceovers yeah. have been pretty consistent, but usually with the self-tapes, they're might be a little bit bigger in terms of maybe it's a movie self-tape or something mm-hmm. for a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, every now and then commercial, but well, actually the one he, he definitely, the voiceovers have been pretty consistent, mm-hmm. but the self-tapes have certainly slowed mm-hmm. down. And yeah. let's say too, let's let everyone know that the auditions that he has been going on from the beginning, these are top of the industry auditions. You're talking about, you know, leads, leads in movies, you know, supporting leads, parts in mm-hmm. movies, feature films, television series, television shows, television made for movies, um, all of it. It's it's yeah. all encompassing at the top of the industry. We're not talking about something that's kind of the lower kind of hanging fruit. You're living in the space at the top of the business, right? Yeah. No, he's, I mean, he's done a couple of auditions for Happy Madison, you know, the, the, uh, company. the company, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. NBC, all the, there's a movie with Robert De Niro, Halle Berry, which he would have had yeah. a significant role. I mean, he didn't get those parts, but those were the auditions that yeah. that we've we've gotten. A lot of those. A lot of that stuff has come in too that we get a disclosure statement with it. You know, it's in like NBA, don't yeah. you dare mention this to yeah. anyone because no one knows that Disney is making this movie mm-hmm. and nobody knows about this part and this song and this role. And we're like, okay, we won't say it. And you have to sign it before you send anything in. Um, mm-hmm. that happens a lot. That happens mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely uh, it's eye opening when you see Robert De Niro come across your email. You're like, what? Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's life changing. You're you're living in a space that's the top of the industry that people really feel like, well, that's a closed door. That's a gate. There's gatekeepers that aren't allowing me to do with my child or myself. If it was one of you guys wanting to do it, you know, um, the, it, it's available to everyone. It's real. And this can happen for anybody. Right. I mean, it's, it's out there. Certainly the kids have to enjoy it. The kids, the kids have to, they're the ones out there doing it. Yeah. They're the ones in yeah. the room. Yep. That's very true. I think we were just talking recently because of the audition process at the school. He was going to, you know, you kind of line up in the hallway, 
And you kind of know if your kid is going to be okay doing all of this because it is a lot if they're like just there to hang, right? He's he's always just like, hey, to people and hanging out. And then we could see like, you know, there's 10 kids waiting for an audition and he is just like, whatever, chilling, meeting people. And then there's nine other kids that are like freaking out, you know, like really? nervous and like pacing the room. And then they go outside and they're like, you know, doing stuff like holding their ear and trying to warm up. And we're like, what? Right. And we've just never seen that before with him. And I think that's a, a big indicator that he can get through something that's stressful, you know, something that may not come to fruition because I felt bad for all of the kids because I felt like, gosh, they're so nervous and they're so worried about it. Like, how is this even fun? Like, how is waiting in this room right now with a bunch of strangers even fun or enjoyable for them because they were they were ill? <laughs> they, you know, some of them were like, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, and then some would come out and like they would burst into tears with their parent and like, oh my gosh, it was so nerve wracking. Yeah. There was four people in there. And then you're like heartbreaks because you're like, oh my God, is my kid? Because I would never want to do it if he was like that, yeah. you know, or if he got nervous and he just doesn't. So I think that's a big factor in mm -hmm. his, the success he has had is because he's just kind of chill and breezy about it. Right. Which is I good. mean, there's not a secret sauce. I mean, I, he, that's, he kind of just has that. We didn't, I don't think we can teach it, but we also i think by not putting that extra pressure that does help so that is something i think the parents can control yeah yeah we've seen some interesting parents yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i think there's been so much great advice that you've given through this whole this whole interview and thank you so much for all of this um is there anything in particular that maybe we haven't touched on or do you have advice for other parents considering this for their children or for their teenager or even advice for someone who's already in and who is possibly struggling like do you have any other thoughts that you want to throw in that you want to share that would be helpful i mean in terms of the parents i kind of alluded to this before stay in your lane um in terms of i, I wouldn't get overly involved in you know contacting the agent for every single thing and definitely stay out of the way with auditions which i think sounds like common sense but from what i've been told and sometimes have seen that's not always the case so let the people that know what they're doing do what they know how to do it I mean again I, I said before I wouldn't want someone coming into my office telling me how to do my job and I'm I'm quite yeah. certain that people in that industry do not want to hear from a parent when they don't need to so yeah. stay in your lane is a key aspect I think too to just enjoy the ride you know you get such little time with your kids as mm -hmm. it is um, so as long as it's fun and, and your expectations are not super high, then, then it's fun when he gets something, you know, like if you don't expect, like, I do not expect to ever see him in a movie. Right. I know now that it's possible, but I think it will still shock the ever loving heck out of me, you know, if that ever happens, but it, it could. And I think just, if you just manage your expectations and, and just enjoy the time that you have, like Tim, you know, he will always have that time in New York with him. Mm -hmm. You know, he will always have that and that that time in the car going to, to Polar Express. And, you know, we'll always have like, hey, we had this weird setup in our basement as a kid. Remember that crap? You know, like we'll always have those those like fun memories of just enjoying the time of what we were doing with him. And like the other stuff is just a bonus. Don't let it rule your life. It, it, it shouldn't rule your life. It should just be something you do. I love that. I love it. That's so great. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Of course. This was fun. Anytime, anything for you always, you know that. Join me every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Need more information? Visit lbctalent.com and for my online courses, lbctalent.thinkific.com. And follow me on socials at Lisa Solak underscore lbctalent. By sharing our stories, we can help other talented individuals land the career of their dreams.